from the 15th floor of the Energy Building, this is GNR Airtime, the podcast that explores the current trends from emerging and well-established industries hosted by the lawyers of GNR. This podcast is for general guidance only and does not constitute definitive advice. Hi listeners, welcome back to GNR Airtime. I'm Kevin, and I will be your host for today's episode. So in today's episode, we will be accompanied by our counsel, Bang Dion Afadia. Hi Bang Dion, welcome back to GNR Airtime, Bang. Hello, Kevin. For those of you who are new to our podcast, uh, Bang Dion has been sharing his knowledge with us uh, previously on a couple of episodes of GNR Airtime. Today, uh, we're also accompanied by our beloved associate, Bang Anthony Cristianto. Hi Bang Anthony, welcome to GNR Airtime, Bang. Hi Kevin. Hi Bang. Bang Anthony is one of the petrol head in GNR, ya, along with Bang Dion. That's why uh, they both suit this topic so much. Because today we're going to discuss about vehicles and more specifically electric vehicles, which are the battery-powered vehicles. So without further ado, Bang Anthony, can you give us a general overview, Bang, of what EV is? Maybe what are the factors that, that drive the growth of EV industries in Indonesia? Yeah, sure. So as a general overview regarding the EV, have you ever played a Tamiya when you were a kid? Yes, I have. Yeah, you have, right? So in layman terms, EV is very similar to that. EV is a vehicle that is powered by electric motors using the energy stored in the rechargeable batteries. This is different to the conventional cars that we know nowadays, also known as the internal combustion engine vehicles, powered by fossil fuels to get the engine going. Globally, there are several factors which are driving the growth of EV currently. The first one is actually because of the cheaper batteries. When EV cars was first introduced to the market, the appetite was not really good due to the high retail price of the EV cars back then. Most of it was due to the expensive cost of the battery pack, which was the heart of EV. However, according to Bloomberg's research, the battery prices of EV, which were over $1,000 per kilowatt hour back in 2010, have fallen to just $156 per kilowatt hour in 2019. This trend is expected to continue to even as low as $100 per kilowatt hour by 2023. So definitely with a cheaper battery price, this would make EV prices more competitive and more affordable to the market. And the second driving factors is related to the stricter policies regarding carbon emissions. So as we know, many nations across the globe are trying to push down the carbon emissions rate. And one of the key features of EV is actually its zero emission rate. Therefore, many countries are trying to lure its citizens to switch to EV by providing certain incentives such as tax credits or tax deductions in a bit to lower the carbon emissions within their countries. Another reason which I believe is the key feature is the magnificent efficiency of an EV which will be the game changer in the whole automotive industry. Let me give you an example of a test conducted by a local journalist towards two vans. One of it is powered by EV and one of it is powered by the internal combustion engines. It's just that the operating cost per kilometers of an EV is only uh, around 297 rupees. Meanwhile, the running costs for the same vehicle powered by internal combustion engines is 581 rupees per kilometer. And to give you a greater comparison, let's say you want to reach 300 kilometers. If you go on EV, you would only need to spend 85,000 rupiah. Meanwhile, if you go with the internal combustion engine cars, you would have to pay 175,000 rupiah for the gas. Imagine, 
this amount is actually double the price of the amount of money that you have to spend if you're running on an EV. Imagine the great savings that you can have when you're running with EV. Furthermore, EV has simpler part. As I said, with the Tamiya comparison, EV has simple parts as it only consists of the motor, which only consists of half a dozen moving parts as compared to the hundreds of moving working parts in an internal combustion engine. Having less parts means cheaper and easier maintenance for the vehicle, something which is really uh, going to be very attractive to the consumers, right? And in Indonesia itself, the EV trends only started to boom last year, I think, when a prominent taxi company in Indonesia launched their EV fleets. People were very excited to check out the latest technology. People were really enthusiastic back then and i even saw a really long queue of people who were trying to get into, into the car to hop on and check out the latest technology and i think this was also followed by the hype of uh, tesla the very famous electric car because with their technological advances they have managed to make their car looks like it comes from a sci-fi movie just something that people nowadays is very enthusiastic about and therefore it has won the heart of many wealthy Indonesian people. In general, currently more car manufacturers are still waiting for the implementing regulations. We are going to discuss more about these regulations later on in this uh, discussion. But in the time being, they have been marketing their uh, hybrid vehicles. So what is a hybrid vehicles? This is a mixture of IC cars and EVs, whereby the car still has a conventional engine, but it also has a battery pack and electric motor to support the operation. It is very convenient that it automatically recharges itself when you drive. Hence, there's no need to look for the power outlet. However, it has less mileage if you compare it to the full EV. And aside from this, why EV is very exciting to talk about in Indonesia is that Indonesia has competitive advantages in EV productions. First one is that Indonesia domestic market vehicle sales itself is constantly above 1 million sales per year. So we, we do have the market here for the sales of cars. And we, when we are switching to EVs, this shows that we have the potentials to be a good key player in the global market. And then second of all, Indonesia has a large nickel reserves for battery production. So with the large nickel resources, meaning that we can produce a lot of battery packs, which are going to be the heart of the electric vehicles. As you can see, the government has spotted this opportunity by constructing the battery plant in Morowali. And the third one is that Indonesia is the second largest car manufacturer in ASEAN market. This opens up the opportunity to export the electric vehicles to other ASEAN markets then. Okay, okay, I see. Well, thank you so much, Bang. I think I think you have a really broad knowledge here on this EV car. So we're going back to the industries of EV cars, Bang, in Indonesia. I believe it's developing, and I also note that uh, there's this one implementing regulation, yeah, the Presidential Regulation Number 55 of 2019, regarding the acceleration of battery-based electric vehicles for road transportation. Can you take us through, Bang, on the some key provisions under this Presidential Regulation? Sure, John. So back in 12 August 2019, the government of Indonesia enacted the Presidential Regulations number 55 of 2019. This presidential regulations 55 of 2019, this is said to be the umbrella regulations of EV in Indonesia. Therefore, a set of implementing regulations are expected to be enacted very soon. So there are a few noteworthy provisions under the PR 55 of 2019. The first one is regarding the corporate and business requirements for electric vehicle and component manufacturers. So under PR 55, electric vehicle manufacturing companies must be organized as an Indonesian legal entity and it must hold an industrial 
business license from the Ministry of Industry to assemble or produce electric vehicles or components. And PR55 also introduces the concept of a national electric vehicle company, which will receive additional incentives from the government upon obtaining the recommendations from the team of acceleration of electric vehicle industry. This team will be further set up by the government of Indonesia. And interesting thing to note on this uh, national electric vehicle company is only a company with domestic investment status may achieve this status. As a result, if you are a foreign investment company, you may not qualify to benefit from these incentives. In addition, a national electric vehicle company must also invest in research and although the level of such investment has yet to be regulated. I think this is intended to boost the domestic participation in the growth of EV business in Indonesia. And then secondly, there are provisions regarding the manufacturing of EVs and the components. So PR55 would permit the import of certain electric vehicles components and also even to import fully constructed EVs to accelerate the growth of EV in Indonesia. I understand that further details will be regulated by the Minister of Industry on the technicalities of the import and also uh, certain limitations of period of times or number of units. And then existing manufacturers of vehicle components in Indonesia are also encouraged to support the program and cooperate with electric vehicle industry players. It remains to be seen though what level of support is required for existing vehicle manufacturers and how such requirements will impact existing businesses. And there's also a local component requirement for electric vehicles and components. Under the regulations, there are certain minimum local components for two and three-wheeled vehicles and four or more wheeled vehicles. The minimum local content for both type of vehicles will increase gradually starting from 2019 where the minimum will increase from 40% to 80% for two and three-wheeled vehicles and 35% to 80% for four or more wheeled vehicles. I expect the implementing regulations to further clarify on this requirement or will be enacted soon. And the other interesting provision is regarding the government's plan to control fossil fuel fuel-based vehicles. So PR55 stipulates that the government of Indonesia may gradually control the use of motorized vehicles with fossil fuel. So we expect another implementing regulations on the control of the size of fossil fuel-based vehicles in Indonesia. So I think this is similar policy as we have already seen in other countries. For instance, our neighboring country, Singapore, plans to ban fossil fuel cars by 2040. And even EU countries such as Netherlands and Sweden plan to ban fossil fuel cars by as early as 2030. Imagine that in 10 years, we have to switch to EVs in these countries. So I think it's not going to be very long whereby we're going to switch to a full EV world very soon. And the other provision that I would like to highlight from PR55 is related to the charging infrastructure because as we know, charging is going to be the substitute of the gas station in our world nowadays. So on the charging station, under PR55, it may consist of charging station and battery swap stations. However, unfortunately, PR55 is silent on the requirement for the battery swap stations. On the opportunity to be the operator, PR55 stipulates that the charging operators will will be open to energy state-owned entities uh, such as PLN or, or Pertamina and other business entities. This suggests that PR55 would contemplate the private ownership of charging stations. This is interesting because while we know that currently in practice, under the current regulatory scheme, only PLN may operate public charging stations except for a small number of industrial estates and factories which may sell captive power plants in an assigned area. 
query how this will be implemented in the future. To accelerate EV infrastructures, PR55 also entails that charging stations will be located at gas stations, government offices, shopping centers, and parking stations on the road. This is to ensure the ease of access to recharge the EV so that people won't have difficulty when their cars are running out of juice. And then, according to PR55, the government of Indonesia will determine the price of electricity at public charging stations. By far, we can see that PLN offers subsidized price. Well, this is understandable because a high electric price would mean that it will hurt the demand and deter people from shifting to EVs. And last but not least, PR55 also stipulates a series of government incentives. There will be fiscal and non-fiscal incentives available to both EV and component manufacturers, and also for consumers who will shift to electric vehicles. I will give a few examples on the incentives. For example, for the fiscal incentives, there will be reductions in import duties for machineries and raw materials, and also a reduction on national regional taxes on vehicles, and reduction on taxes and luxury goods, and also, there will be uh, subsidized electricity in public charging stations and also reduced parking fees in public spaces. In addition, there will be an additional non-fiscal incentives in the form of the exemptions from the road use restrictions uh, that we currently know, which is the odd and even license plate restrictions on main roads in Jakarta. I even heard that the government is formulating a new license plate for EVs to ensure that it can be easily feasible by the law enforcer so that you can pass any roads in Indonesia notwithstanding the odd and even restrictions. And there are certain industries that will be entitled to the incentives such as the electric vehicles and components manufacturers and industries that use the components produced by the local EV manufacturers, battery swap services, battery waste management, charging stations, buildings and houses that provide private charging installations, and public transportation that converts to EVs. Okay, great, great. Uh, thank you, Bang. So yeah, maybe to, uh, to summarize a little bit, the regulations actually provide provisions on the corporate and business requirement, the manufacturing requirement, the local components requirements, the government's plan to control the fossil fuel, charging infrastructures, as well as the incentive from the government, Bang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Bang Anthony. Now that we have covered the basic of this EVs industry and the regulations, I'd like to discuss about the distribution of the EV in Indonesia. Bang Dion, what are the current distribution structures for EVs in Indonesia, Bang? Yeah, thanks, Kevin. So I think for EVs, before more implementing regulations are issued, the distribution of it remains the same as the distribution of conventional cars. So basically, there are two main types of car distributors, i.e. general distributor, uh, which is non-exclusive, or exclusive distributor, or uh, widely known as a trademark holder, sole agent, or ATPM. So the main difference between the two is obviously, like the one is exclusive and the other one isn't. From regulatory standpoint, general distributorship falls under the jurisdiction of the Ministry of Trade, and therefore the Ministry of Trade regulations and requirements apply to this general distributor, including the general provisions on distributor of goods under MOT regulation number 22 of 2016 and MOT regulations number 11 of 2006. So the requirement on the various reporting requirements under MOT regulation number 11 also apply to general EV distributor. If the general distributor is a 100% local owned, it's also required to obtain a registration letter or STP from the Ministry of Trade. Now, ATPM on the other hand falls under the auspices of uh, Ministry of Industry. So despite the name, ATPM is not necessarily a trading agent, but distributor and an exclusive one that is. So an exclusive distributorship is also recognized under the Ministry of Trade regime in addition to ATPM under Ministry of Industry. But so in theory, car or, or EV distributor can choose to register itself as an exclusive distributor of car or, or uh, EV 
and register itself with the Ministry of Trade. However, in practice, as we were told by the MOT official, if, if a car distributor tries to register itself as an exclusive distributor with the MOT, the MOT will, will direct them to the Ministry of Industry to uh, for them to then take the ATPM registration route. Both general distributor and, and ATPM are considered distributors, nevertheless, and therefore uh, they should only sell the EVs to retailers uh, or known as car, car dealers, while an ATPM is usually known as a main dealer in, in layman's term. Okay, bang. So for foreign investors, bang, what do you think the key challenges, bang, in connection with the existing distribution channels in Indonesia? That's a very good question, uh, Kevin. So, so there are two main issues that uh, that are most overcome by by foreign investors. So, the first one is both settings, i.e., uh, general distributors and ATPM. Uh, they are considered distribution business. There is a maximum 67% foreign investment if the distribution business is not integrated with a manufacturing activity. For already established ATPM, which already has manufacturing facilities in Indonesia, this shouldn't become an issue because then the foreign investment cap would not apply to them. The issue is more with new entrants to the Indonesian market trying to bring new uh, vehicle brand here without existing uh, presence. These new investors with very limited links and connections with the Indonesian market is then forced uh, to team up with a local partner to make up uh, for the 35% ownership in the company. Now, on the one hand, this is totally understandable and, and makes so much sense in order for the new investors to get insights and knowledge in the market while the local partner could benefit from the know-how and the technological advance brought by the foreign investor. On the other hand, however, for an investor totally new to Indonesia, it's, it's not an easy task to find a local partner to commit since the inception of the business as this is not without risk. The market entry study including the investigation over the potential local partner will involve a long due diligence process and often time even after the DD is completed the investor didn't get a certain level of comfort and then decided not to go on with the project. For foreign investors nowadays due to various reasons uh, despite the local values and insights that can be brought by the local partner the general view is that they would still prefer entering the market themselves so as to avoid the potential complications may arise from a relationship relationship with the local partner. That's the first issue. The the second issue is that as a distributor, a general distributor and ATPM, they cannot sell to end customers, but rather they have to sell the EVs to a local dealer who will in turn sell the EVs to the customers. This has raised a margin issue affecting the end price of the EV itself, which in turn will affect the success of the EV sales itself in Indonesia. This long distribution chain is a long-standing issue in Indonesia, but for certain types of products, even with this uh, lengthy chain, things will still work and the margin set for each level of the distribution chain would still be healthy. However, for certain other products, the margin has to be carefully set to make sure the product and price set for the product remain to have an appeal to the market. We've seen certain uh, structures set to overcome this uh, long distribution chain, including what we often see is by putting in place a certain service agreement to justify the flow of cash from one level to another in the distribution chain. But this needs to also be seen from a tax perspective, where too aggressive of a structure can bear certain tax consequences. Okay, so those are the challenges on the distribution side of the business. I'd like to go back to the wider uh, view of the business, the EV industries itself, Bang Antoni. And the wider scope of the industries, Bang, what do you think the challenges for the growth of EV industries in Indonesia, Bang? And what actions do you think could be taken to accelerate the development of EV industries? Yeah, John, I think there are a few challenges for EV to grow in Indonesia. The first one is, I think, the PLN supply capacity for the power. Uh, I would give you an example. So an EV, let's say a Tesla Model X, it has a 75,000 watt battery pack. In comparison, an air conditioner at 
our home is around 750 watts. So basically, if you want to charge your car, it's like you're going to be running 100 ACs simultaneously at your home. To charge at the maximum speed, you may want to install the fast charging stations and PLN would have to in power demands. So imagine if in a residential households, let's say there are hundreds of thousands of cars that would like to charge simultaneously, then it would be challenging, I think, to meet the surge in the power demand. And then secondly, the other challenges would be from Indonesia's recent development in biofuel. So I heard that the government has been developing the B100 diesel fuels. It's actually biofuel, which is 100% sourced from a palm oil. And if it is going to be a successful invention, I think EV will have internal competition with biofuel as this is going to be another cheaper alternative to the power vehicles in Indonesia. And people are currently already more familiar with the fuels, and it would be very difficult for EVs to try to lure people to change to EVs, noting that this would be a cheaper alternative and easier access and already familiar with the people. And then the other challenges is the capability to produce cheap battery. While we already have all the natural resources, uh, which is the nickel, that we can use to produce the battery pack, we would need to acquire the skills to convert the competitive advantage into the battery at affordable price so that we can push down EV cars price. And another challenge is that Indonesia currently is heavily relying on coal-based power on generating electricity. Some people argue that kind of situation would be counterproductive in combating emission because although EV does not produce any emission, the increasing electricity power consumption, which is based on the coal power plant, would make another surge of emission, making the mission to preserve the environment back to square one. Then let's see, what can we do next to boost EV's growth in Indonesia? I think in short, the key would be to provide incentives to both the business players and also to the consumers if we want to grow EV business in Indonesia. So the first one is that we can provide huge financial incentives to make EV cars purchase price competitive in comparison to the internal combustion engine vehicles. So currently, only a handful amount of people in Indonesia has the ability to purchase an EV. Government of Indonesia's intervention would be needed to make EV price more affordable. And then secondly, we would need to provide strong incentives and encouragement to business sectors for battery manufacturing in Indonesia. Having a lot of battery manufacturers locally would definitely help with the production cost. And then we would have to expedite the construction of the charging stations. While we can use the charging stations in our home, it's going to take longer time with the slow charging scheme. Therefore, the availability of the fast charging stations would be key to sway people to convert to EVs from the conventional cars because there are ease of access everywhere. It can be assurance to people that they don't need to worry about the power when they are running out of power. And then the other projects that the government can do is that to urge public transportations, also the right hailing apps to switch to EVs and start the introduction of EVs to peoples. I think we can already see that we are heading to these directions as evident by the Transjakarta trying to operate EV buses. And also we can see that Grab has been trying to cooperation with Hyundai to run EVs on their fleets. So I think we are already heading to that directions and more of it would be one of the major steps to convert ICE cars in Indonesia to EVs. All in all, despite of these challenges, I believe that EV is a promising new field of business, which can be the game changer in the near future. The government of Indonesia is already heading to the right direction by showing its support to the acceleration of EV. We should expect the implementing regulations to be enacted very soon, and we hope this will energize the business actors and consumers on EV development in Indonesia. Okay, thank you so much, Bang Antoni. Let's just hope that the EV industries in Indonesia will keep on 
growing and keep on developing ya. So uh, again, thank you so much Bang Dion and Bang Anthony for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you uh, Kevin. Thank you Kevin. Yeah, this has been a really fruitful discussion for me and also hopefully for all our listeners out there. And I really hope that we can have another discussions in the future episode of GNR Airtime ya Bang. Definitely. So that's it for today's episode guys. So we will see you in the next episode. Stay safe, keep social distancing and have a good one. Bye.